This is the Neighborhood Conversations Podcast. Today's episode was originally recorded on February 18th, 2024. There were some technical difficulties on Sunday morning, and so we're starting the recording here a couple of minutes into Kylan's sermon. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 17, and it reads, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants. After you, ten, after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as as many as that has come out of the ark i establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth verse 12 says god said this is the sign of the covenant that i make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations i have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow, it and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of the flesh. And the waters shall never again become the flood to destroy all flesh. Verse 16. When the bow is in the clouds, obviously we're talking about a rainbow here, friends, just in case we're not sure, but the bow is in the clouds. I see it, I will see it and remember that everlasting covenant between God and every creature of flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that is established between me and all flesh on the earth. I would dare to say that oftentimes when we talk about the word imagination, it is often thought of of something in the stories of children, right? Um, Or something that isn't true. Um, And so I want to push a little bit, um, not only for us to journey this Lenten series as we look at the color purple, but to say that the writers gave her a prophetic imagination which employs that distinctly adult way that we image that we image or imagine everything in our everyday life. And it applies the concepts that cannot be seen. I really would implore us to engage our prophetic imaginations during this Lenten season of preparation. In the film, The Color Purple, Lent can be seen as sorts of a metaphorical journey of introspection, redemption, and transformation. Lent traditionally represents a period of 40 days of fasting, prayer, and reflection, as I've kind of already covered earlier. And similarly, in this tradition of Lent, the color purple kind of, um, particularly when we look at the character of Celie, undergoes, um, Celie undergoes her own spiritual and emotional journey of self-discovery and growth throughout the film. Celie grapples with her prophetic imagination with questions of faith, identity, and her personal relationship with God. Her experiences, including her struggles, her losses, and eventually her triumphs, mirror the themes of repentance, sacrifice, and renewal often associated with the Lenten season. 
Just as Lent offers us the opportunity to confront our shortcomings and seek forgiveness, Seely's journey highlights the importance of resilience, forgiveness, and the power of connection with God in overcoming adversity and redemption. So what does this have to do with Noah? <laughs> in our scripture reading from Genesis 9, 8 through 17, we encounter another story of love and redemption. After the floodwaters have receded, God makes a covenant with Noah and all living creatures that symbolizes the rainbow. The covenant is a testament to God's enduring love and faithfulness, a promise that extends to all creation, to all creation, even to the Seelies of the world. Regardless of race, nationality, or status, the imagery of the rainbow holds profound significance in both the biblical narrative and in the color purple. It serves as a reminder of God's presence and God's faithfulness. I also want to point out in the text that the, the rainbow was not only a reminder for us of the covenant, but in the text, God said that it would also be a reminder for them. Right? So it was a two-way reminder in this bow that happens to be in the sky. Even in our darkest of times, it is a symbol of hope and renewal and, and a tangible expression of God's love for all creation. So if you'll walk with me for a moment, I would love to draw down on some of the parallels of the story specifically of Noah and of Seely from The Color Purple. Noah is known for his unwavering faith and obedience to God's instructions to build this ark and to save himself, his family, and the pairs of every animal from this catastrophic flood. Despite facing ridicule from, his, from those who did not believe in him or from others, Noah trusts in God's plans to follow through with this monumental task, ultimately emerging in the symbol of resilience and divine providence. Um, if anybody remembers like the VBS stories of Noah, like they always talked about like the naysayers and like the way in which like he was teased as he like went on to this journey of building this ark and things of that nature. And so he overcame those things. And so that's really what resilience is. Resilience is the ability to overcome or to adapt um, in current circumstances, right? Um, similarly, Celie embarks on her own spiritual journey marked by adversity and triumph. Through her hardship, Celie maintains a deep, all-may-it-be-complex relationship and connection with God through her hardships. Um, Celie's perception of God is shaped... Um, uh, um, in the beginning, it is shaped by um, the oppressive teachings of her, what we then, what we learn to be is her stepfather, um, the abusive relationship of her husband, and she's questioning her worth and her purpose. However, as Celie encounters moments of grace and connections with community, particularly through her relationship with a character by the name of Suge Avery, Suge Avery. <laughs> Sorry, that's one of my favorite songs of the whole film and adaptation. Um, she begins to see the divine in the natural world. She begins to reimagine her understanding of God through these letter writings and things of that nature. Seely imagine, imagination becomes the source of her strength and her resilience, allowing her to envision a life 
beyond the confines of her oppressive circumstances. Both Noah and Seely demonstrate the power of imagination in navigating adversity and finding resilience through their connection with God. Noah's ability to envision and construct the ark despite the overwhelming challenges mirrors Seely's capability to reimagine her identity and relationship with the God amidst oppression. Their journeys underscore the transformative potential of faith and prophetic imagination, inspiring us to trust in God's plan, even in the midst of life's storms, and to find resilience and hope in the power of imagination to envision a brighter future. Now, friends, I want to pause here because there's often this theology that we talk about that is the theology of suffering. And I don't want us to journey through these next six weeks, if you would, thinking that what we are trying to get you to see through this film or through some of these biblical stories that we are seeing is that it's necessary for us to suffer in order to be in God's love or in order to receive this covenant. That is not at all what we are saying. Right, particularly for those of us who are living on the margins, for my friends, BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus communities, we have suffered enough. Amen. We have suffered enough. I was just at um, Exploration, which is a part of our denomination's discernment conference, and they did the baptism on the first day, and I really loved uh, Bishop Karen, and she came and she spoke, and she was just like, we are one of the last denominations that will quote unquote baptize babies. She was like, and do you realize that there's nothing really that, ba that babies do to like get God's love? She's like, they're just babies. And we're just like, yeah, come on in here. Like <laughs> God loves you too. So there's nothing that we could do, right? Nothing that we could say that would make God love you or love us any more or any less, right? But what I do want to underpin in this series is that sometimes the cruelty of humanity, right, is what drives us further and further and further away from God, right? But it's not this theology of suffering that my suffering is necessary, right, or that it is, it is a requirement, if you would, to be a Christian. Are we, we good? Nila, amen. Y'all know I like a talk back church, okay? <laughs> amen, okay, I got one. So when we think about this theology of suffering and all of these things, and I kind of want to just take a moment again with this parallel, Noah's story is often remembered by the great flood of the suffering experienced by humanity as a result of their, quote, disobedience. However, the focus of Noah's narrative is not solely on the suffering by itself, but in God's covenant protection, and eventual deliverance. Despite the challenges Noah faces, his story ultimately emphasizes God's faithfulness to the opportunity for renewal and redemption through obedience and through faith, right? So as we are journeying through these next couple of weeks, there's always an opportunity if we feel, right, Lenten is a season of preparation and things of that nature, um, and so if we feel that there are things that we are done, and we know that there are things that have kind of pushed us out of um, the will of God, if you would, or the plan of God, and things that, again, based on our own will, right, that we've done these things, this is a season for us to kind of self-reflect, 
our own shortcomings. A lot of people will give up certain things to kind of like, you know, shred the layers and the distractions and things of that nature to kind of see like, how do I get back in to this space? And we're going to talk about that a little later. But similarly, along this um, theology of suffering, while, C- while Celie's journey in The Color Purple involves profound suffering, including abuse, oppression, and loss, the story does not dwell solely on this theology of suffering. Instead, Celie's narrative is one of resilience, growth, and spiritual awakening. Through her relationship with others and her connection with God, Celie finds the strength to endure and to ultimately transcend her circumstances. Her story serves as a testament to the transformative power of love, forgiveness, and the human spirit. In both cases, Noah and Celie exemplify how suffering can be a catalyst for spiritual growth and deeper connection with God, rather than it being defined by their suffering as a necessity. Their stories remind us of the importance of faith, perseverance, and the assurance of God's presence even in our most difficult times. They inspire us to trust in God's promises and to find hope and meaning amidst adversity. Therefore, while suffering is a central aspect of their narratives, it is ultimately overshadowed by the themes of resilience, redemption, and the enduring faithfulness of God. Hmm. So why the color purple? As uh, Pastor Andy mentioned earlier, color is also the color of Lent. Um, This Lenten series that kind of begins on Ash Wednesday is when we'll see it. And then I believe it's on Monday, Thursday, when we switch the color out and it will no longer be purple. Um, But purple signifies, according to the um, um, the Lenten liturgical calendar, purple signifies the mysteries we are celebrating as a church and during Lent, we are reflecting on the issues of repentance and the passion of Jesus Christ. Now, I have a slight marketing background, Michelle. You can definitely correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, But when we look at color theory and some of the symbolism and things of that nature in that context, the color purple is often um, used to symbolize creativity, royalty, femininity, and spirituality, right? Um, And it's often stated that if you want your brand to, like, stand out and be, like, seen amongst, like, the elites, then you will like put purple in your um, logo. Um, But then when I begin to like kind of do a little research and think about some of the most popular brands that kind of have the color purple, it seems like they're also the most relatable brands, right? Like, can anybody think of some? Like I immediately thought of like Taco Bell, (laughs) right? (laughs) I immediately thought of like Claire's. Um, I immediately thought of like um, Babies R Us. Right, any other, any other purple logos or that anyone could think of? Wayfair. Alzheimer's Foundation, Wayfair, any? Who? Who? Fruit of the little main purple? Let's talk about they got the grapes. Girl, go back to sleep. Talk about Fruit of the Loom. What else, somebody said something else? Cabaret, chocolate, okay. Look, the whole sanctuary went, ooh, yeah. Mm. So y'all on chocolate, y'all, Seely. We talking about Seely and Noah. Who? Flying Biscuit. Flying Biscuit. They is purple right on down the street. I love it. Dwight. 
Purple rain, purple rain. All right, don't get me in there. Don't get me in trouble now today. So, <laughs> was that the last one? Fanta grape is definitely one of the purples, right? So these are all relatable senses of the color purple, and obviously we see the color purple often. So, again, why the color purple? One of the most memorable moments of this story occurs when Suge, who is a very free-spirited and fiercely independent woman, shares her perspective on God's love. And it shook me because I remember coming through my seminary journey and I went to a lecture um, by uh, Reverend, Reverend Dr. William Lamar up in DC. He's the pastor of Metropolitan AME. And he did a lecture on who speaks for God in public. And it shook us to our core because even in the film and in the story, you wouldn't expect Suge to be the one who, who kind of like speaks for God in this relationship with Seeley. Suge's dad is a pastor, right? She's been shunned from the church for her um, free will, if you would, or for her fierceness, right? To kind of like go out here and do things and, um, and, and be this way. And so as we're also journeying, who speaks for God in public, right? As we look at this color purple and as we journey with it and as you see it, that it pops up in all of these different places, let it remind you that you speak for God in public, right? But Suge and all of her fierceness, they are walking through this field of beautiful purple roses, not roses, beautiful purple flowers. Um, and she's going on and she's talking to Celie, trying to encourage her, because like Celie just be down, y'all. Like she just be in the film. And she, well, I don't know, you know. And when one of the scenes that she was like, girl, if you're not gonna smile, you might as well just sell your funny bone. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was just always just giving it to her kind of real. But in this instance, she said, I think it pisses God off when we walk past the color purple in a field and don't notice it. Every little thing just wants to be loved. More than anything, even God loves admiration. Every little thing just wants to be loved. And if I could go into my prophetic imagination during this series I would say that it pisses God off when we walk past each other, when we walk past humanity and don't appreciate it. You can clap on that, that was good. Val, get the time marker. Michelle, that's our social media clip for the week. Okay, y'all gotta work with me, okay? Work with me. But it pisses God off when we do that, but how many times do we do it? How many times do we do it? When we see our friends who are transitionally living, who are on the corners and they may be asking for a couple of dollars or things of that nature, how many times do we just look the complete other way and, 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 and disregard their complete humanity? Like it's not even a human being standing there. How many times do we get caught up in our own everyday life and the struggles and the issues that we are going through, right? And we just seem to ignore any and everybody else's issues and problems that they're going through because we're so caught up in our own stuff, would you imagine that it then pisses God off? The way in which we even treat each other as neighbors? As we journey through these next couple of weeks and we'll begin to see the color purple in all places and we invite you to wear the color purple if you would like on these Sundays. It is not like a, come on, I see you girl. 
Um, it is not just like a you can't sit with us club is why we're wearing purple. Like Andy, as Andy said, like there are some series where we just like go all in. <laughs> this is going to be one of them. Like I got my purples lined up and ready to go, okay? <laughs> so every week, y'all going to get a different purple from me, okay? Because I want you to really think every time you see the color purple, how am I speaking for God in public? How am I appreciating the color purple? How am I appreciating humanity around me? How am I really committing to the preparation of the work that is ahead? This statement about what pisses God off when we walk past the color purple, it's rooted in the character's own experiences and insights. It challenges us to reconsider our understanding of God's love. It invites us to recognize that God's love is not limited by human conventions or expectations, but transcends them all, right? It is a love that embraces every aspect of creation from the grandeur of the heavens to the humblest of creatures. To the humblest of creatures. If God appreciates something as simple as the color purple, what makes you think that God doesn't appreciate and love all of who you are? And then how are we sharing that love with our neighbor? Purple symbolizes the beauty of a life and is what Suge Avery uses to point out to Seeley that God has created beauty, he, and God has created beauty that he doesn't want us to ignore, right, is what she wants her to understand. So how might we in this Lent season prepare to be like Noah? No, I'm not saying that you need to go out and build an ark and prepare for a flood, right? Like it's already said in the covenant, that's not happening again, right? But how are you sharing the unconditional love of God with all of creation? And how might we remember the color purple in this season as a reminder of our connection with God and using our prophetic imagination to dream of a world that is just and equitable for all of the Seelies in the world who are named and unnamed? Those who are seeking to be free from their mistress. And the film, Mr. is her abusive husband, right? And we'll get in it a little bit later. He's going through his own level of, like, abusiveness from his father. But Celie is wanting to be free. And one of the most powerful things that I'm getting ready to close, and musicians can come, is I love when they're sitting at the, they're sitting, there's an image where they are sitting at the dinner table, and Celie finally finds her strength, her inner resilience to stand up to Mr. And she says, I think it's time I be free from you and enter into creation. Friends, what are the things, who are the misters, what are the misters in our lives this Lent season that is pulling us away from God's love? That is pulling us out of the will of God, that is pulling us out of true community my professor says you must build community strong enough to hold your truth. And by the end of the film, we see that is what happens. Celie is surrounded by a beautiful community strong enough to hold her truth. 
She is surrounded by the color purple. She begins to see the color purple within herself and knows that in her humanity, there is a beauty that God created that we shouldn't ignore. Friends, there is the color purple in each of us. A creation so beautiful, so magnificent, so extraordinary that should never be ignored. May this Lenten season, at every sighting of the color purple, you be reminded that you are beautiful, that you are beloved, that you have the ability to speak for God in public. And may you be like Noah and take the steps of preparation so that way this unconditional love is continued to be spread on forever. Let us open our hearts to the beauty of diversity and the world around us, recognizing that every little thing longs to be loved and appreciated. And may we, like the rainbow in the sky, be the beacon of God's love and grace to all whom we encounter. Friends, this Lenten series, we have these little slips of paper that we'll be talking about and we'll be journeying through. But it's basically a letter that says, Dear God, we heard the song earlier, Dear God, dear trees, dear stars, dear sky, dear everything. And then she goes into this beautiful song. Now, we obviously don't pray to the stars and the sky and all those types of things. But I love the conversations that I had with Pastor Andy earlier in the week. But we do invite them into our worship. We invite them to be a part of our community as we commune with God. So take a couple of moments and reflect as we get ready for our moment of response to think, dear God, what does that letter look like for you? Dear people, what does that letter look like for you? Dear everything, may it be so friends. Neighborhood Conversations produced by Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about us at NeighborhoodChurchATL.com and on our website you can find links to our weekly live streams and you can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Find us on social media and don't forget to subscribe. Peace be with you.